Well, good morning, everybody, uh, and uh, welcome to Norfew. Uh, my name is David, and I'm uh, one of the elders on the elder board uh, for an interim basis to fill in for Steve Doten during his uh, chemotherapy, and uh, I'm also helping him uh, with the uh, role of chairman. And uh, before we get started this morning, uh, many of you in the Norfew community received a, a letter from uh, Steve and the elder board, and if you did not receive that letter, I'd like to read it um, for you this morning. Uh, many you know, uh, or we know that many of you have questions regarding Norfew and the latest COVID-19 mandates. As we have met for worship and small groups these past few months, we have worked hard to stay in compliance with the governor's mandates, even as we wrestle with the implications of COVID-19 and its effect on our culture. We have socially distanced. We have ensured 25% capacity in less than 200 people in our services and programs. We've required face masks for those attending services. We've changed the patterns of entrance and exits from the auditorium. And thanks to our volunteer custodial team, we have maintained a rigorous sanitization process before, during, and after services. With the new requirements, we, are, we have already taken steps to make sure we are in compliance. We are following the restrictions on eating together and social gatherings and have canceled or altered a number of events, including the men's breakfast, study hall, and staff functions. Staff members have been encouraged to work from home, and Sunday morning worship team has been downsized. But in one area, worship and singing in the church, we find ourselves unable to comply. The mandate that congregational singing is prohibited pits us between two authorities. Authority number one obey our Heavenly Father and sing praises to His name and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the Scriptures, we are commanded to sing praises to Him. Psalms 30, verse 4 says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. The book of Psalms is actually a hymnal, and all the Psalms were originally songs to be sung in praise of God. In Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with, our, with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And again in Luke 19, 40, we are to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus himself tells us that if we don't, that, quote, the very stones would cry out. Authority number two is to obey our governor, for in scripture we read that we should obey all authorities that have been placed in their positions by God. For that you can see Romans 13.1 and Titus 3.1. Now under conflicting orders or pressure, we are always commanded to defer to the higher authority, which in this case is our heavenly father. As in Acts 5.29, when Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Again, this is not said in defiance or rebellion but rather to clarify with respect and humility why we will continue to audibly worship during our Sunday services. Our governor has an impossibly difficult job, and I wouldn't want it or his responsibilities under any circumstances. We are commanded to pray for him, and I believe it would be wise to do so. He needs our help. We seek to be loyal and obedient citizens of our state and of our nation, but our highest calling and obligation is to our Lord and Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, and to his kingdom. It is to him that we are ultimately accountable. We will continue to worship and sing as the word of God instructs us. We realize that there are differing, differing opinions, even within our own congregation, and we'll, we will continue to live stream our services. 
We encourage you as a family or individual to act as the Lord is leading you and whether you should attend in person or watch services from home. In this, we commit ourselves to the Lord and for his safekeeping and may his mercy be extended to all. In his joy, the elder board and Pastor Steve. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Esther and Brian. I want to invite you to stand with us this morning. Whether you're at home and joining us online or whether you're here in the building, I just invite you to use this time to enter into the presence of the Lord. Use the songs or just let them wash over you while you spend some one-on-one time in the spirit and in prayer. However you feel led, this is your time. And more importantly, it's God's time. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you and ask you into this place this morning. We want to glorify you. We want to honor you. We want to meet with you. So we just ask your presence here. In the name of Jesus. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply go. Longing just to breathe something that's of worth. That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my
each person here brought something different in with them. It's been an emotional week in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time for everything. There's a time to weep, but there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. Whichever one of those is you, I just want to speak Jesus into our circumstance. So let's all speak Jesus into this room and over one another.
Shout Jesus from the mountains. Shout Jesus in the streets. Oh, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus, oh, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life, oh, break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a that you call us friend, that you are ever-present, always there when we call upon you. There is no other like you, Jesus. And we give you so much thanks and so much praise for who you are, for what you have done, and for what you continue to do. We love you, Lord. We love you so very much, and we offer you this time for your glory and all God's children say, amen. You may be seated. Hey, good morning. I'm Bob, not Rob, and I'm here to give you some announcements. I wore my 
Christmas tie this morning because I've got two Christmas announcements and I didn't want to forget either one of them. The first one is step by step. Uh, it is coming soon, sooner than we might imagine, right? We always think it's, uh, oh yeah, that's down the road. Oh no, it's coming soon. So uh, if you have some financial donations, some gifts, like the uh, games that are in the lobby right now waiting for you, those are the things that are most needed. Um, and the donations need to be received by next Sunday, okay? Um, do, do, do. And if you're interested in helping to set up on the day of the event, uh, email Pam. Her email is up there. The second one, or in back of me, uh, the second one is our Christmas Eve service. In December, we're pausing Philippians and we're diving into the Christmas series centered on our hope in Jesus. We're moving forward in the hopes that we'll have that Christmas Eve service available for all of us to come join in here in the building, but we're also going to live stream it. We're going at 3 and at 5 p.m. Um, and uh, we're not sure quite yet which one's going to be the live stream one, but that information will be coming. And if plans change, as um, always, we'll get the notice out to you ASAP. Hey, I think we've got a special video message right now. Hey, everybody, it's finally happened. Our ministry is fully funded 100%. And we want to give a special thank you to our sending church, Northview Community Church, for putting us up over the top. We're, We're going, going to Papua, Papua New Guinea. Guinea! We are leaving November 29th. is fully funded 100% and we want to give a special thank you to our Thank you so much. Uh, it all it all started here with um, with you guys at Northview, and uh, you're the ones who who made it happen to allow us to make that December second flight. So we are uh, on our way next Sunday. Next Sunday we were planning on being here with you guys, but instead we got a plane to catch. So. Um, Anyway, um, we, uh, that video that you just saw, we, um, we haven't posted that yet on Facebook or, or anywhere else. Number one, 
because we wanted to be able to share it with you guys first. Um, we wanted you to, to be able to join with us in the celebration. We also wanted to be able to honor you guys. Um, and so we're going to be um, uh, actually adding just a little piece to that video that includes you guys in it. So, um, and Noel will be giving some instructions here in just a second on how that's going to work. But um, yeah, yeah, it is going to be fun. Um, but uh, we also just want to let you know, um, you know, to get on that flight next Sunday, we've got to fill out, you would not even believe the stack of forms that we've already been working through and all that kind of stuff. Um, because we're actually going through several different countries before we actually get to Papua New Guinea, and they've all got regulations, and the airlines have regulations on coronavirus and all that kind of stuff. So we need to be able to affirm that we have not had any um, exposure to anyone who has tested positive. And as you guys know how that all works, uh, sometimes you don't know until after the fact, you know, that somebody ends up testing positive and you were with them three days ago and all that kind of stuff. So, so, um, so we would love to uh, be able to interact with you on a more personal level and, and we would love uh, nothing more than, than to, you know, be able to have conversations and that kind of stuff. But we, because of that, we've actually had to cancel a number of our plans that, that we have over the next uh, the last few days and the next week, uh, just to kind of sort of quarantine ourselves as much as possible uh, in order to not have risk um, not being able to make our flight. Because if we don't make that flight, it would be catastrophic for us. So um, so we just uh, ask your understanding in that, that uh, like we won't be standing up at our table, but we have materials and stuff over there. If you want to sign up for our prayer newsletter, you can do that over there. Um, so we would love more than anything, uh, to, to stay in contact with you, but, but just, we can't do it on a personal level this morning. So we hope you understand that. So, but we are going to, uh, include you in this video and Noel is going to, uh, kind of walk through how that's going to work. Okay. So I have a selfie stick. Okay. And I'm going to extend it. Steve said I have to wear a mask. And, uh, okay. Well, for the announcement, I'll take off my mask. Okay, but I have to wear the mask in the video so that we're complying. Okay, so I have a selfie stick. I'm going to hit record. Let's see here. Can you switch it? Can you switch that for me? Okay, anyways, sorry. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to hit record. It's going to have us behind it like this okay and i'm gonna hit record scott's going to say a few things okay when scott finishes speaking bob is going to help us out okay and you're going to watch bob okay and you're going to stay seated and then you're going to come up like this we did it all at once okay now if you do not want to be in this video i would encourage you to Step out in the lobby, go over to the overflow. I won't be shooting over there, but I'm going to kind of try to, you know, capture everybody. And then everybody is going to cheer after that. So it's, we did it, cheering. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, perfect. Yeah. 
in the house right now. Okay. Doesn't have Kayla. These are the folks who made it happen for us and put us up over the top. We love you, Northview Community Church. Thank you so much, everybody. Stay tuned on Facebook. Okay, two more quick announcements. One, uh, yes, they are fully funded, but there is still work to be done. We uh, took a thank offering last week. We will take that same thank offering this week for the Hardaway's ministry. They are fully funded, yes, but there is, uh, they do have more projects that they need to fund. Once they're there, there's a building project that they've got in the works. There are scholarships that need to be funded for local pastors who want to go to the college um, and they don't necessarily have the money to get there. Uh, plus some other items like maybe some furniture for their new home. They'll need some things to go with their home. So our Thanksgiving offering is going to still go to the Hardaways, um, and that will be a tremendous blessing to them. Um, and there, oh yeah, there's the slide. Hey, I love this. There's a slide that goes with everything I say. Wow. <laughs> Reminder also, there are no youth services today, so kids, you'll stay in here with your parents. Hooray. Um, hey, will you pray with me? Uh, for our offering, you can drop it in the boxes, you can give online, uh, you can mail in your offering too. Lord, we come before you uh, just absolutely blown away by your uh, incredible blessings. We are blessed far more than we could ever give back to you, but we still give uh, to honor you, uh, to show how grateful we are. I pray that the money that comes in, the, uh, the gifts that come in, the time that people give, that, that, will all, um, that it will all honor you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. David? All right, well, you may have noticed that Steve is not here this morning, and... Uh, um, he was not able to make it. I'm preaching on transparency this morning, so with that, we'll be 100% transparent. Uh, Steve was contacted uh, later in the week that he may have had contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID earlier in the week. Um, and so as part of the contact tracing, um, going through and just notifying people that uh, had uh, 
possibly been in contact with that, uh, that positive person. Steve was identified as somebody, and so we felt that, uh, as we said earlier in the service, to take every precaution we can, uh, we felt until he was uh, able to te be tested and, uh, and verify that he is negative, that he shouldn't be here. Um, and then we also included uh, even a secondary round, which is beyond what's required of us. Uh, the good news is the staff really wasn't in the building uh, all week, but uh, anybody that spent an extended period of time with Steve um, that we asked uh, also not to be here. So um, that is, of course, why there's no children's this morning with Kayla being Steve's daughter uh, and, and why Pam. So we want to be a completely clear uh, why he's not here. It's to protect everybody. Um, and uh, he uh, called me on Friday morning. Whenever I see my phone ring in the morning and it's from Steve, I know it's not good because I am famous, famously not a morning person. And if you ever want to hear some great stories from Steve about me in the morning on our travels together, he's got some good ones. Uh, but I knew in the morning uh, he said that it wasn't going to be good. He told me what was going on, asked if I could speak. I said no, hung up on him. <coughs> because after all, I hadn't had my coffee yet. So, um, But uh, anyway, so uh, we're in the, the Philippians series, and uh, uh, we're going to continue with that. Uh, last week, of course, we heard from uh, Scott uh, Hardaway, and so it's been two weeks since uh, we last uh, had a, 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 um, uh, a message on Philippians. And so let me just bring us up to speed real quickly. Two weeks ago, uh, we covered three topics. The, the three topics were, uh, or kind of the takeaways from this was, who is your team? Uh, making sure that you're in good fellowship with people. As Steve always puts it, who's your posse? Uh, who are the people around you? Uh, number two is, who's your Timothy? Uh, who is somebody that you are investing in? Who is somebody that you're pouring yourself into, mentoring? Who is with you that can stand with you one-on-one, uh, -on -one, but that you are pouring into them? And then lastly, what is sacrificial in your service for Jesus? Not just being a spectator, but being involved directly with the, the, the ministry of Jesus. So this week, we're gonna shift to chapter three. So we're gonna find ourselves uh, beginning chapter three. Of Philippians, you can turn there uh, either in your device or in your Bible, uh, and we're going to uh, uh, kind of bounce against some some other exhortations that Paul had for the Philippian church. Uh, but before we do that, let's go ahead and pray this morning, and then we'll get going. Lord, uh, first of all, we just really want to praise you for the Hardaways and for um, them being able to be on that plane and get to Papua New Guinea and begin their ministry there. We've been praying for them for so many years, uh, and this is such a great, great celebration that uh, we give all the praise and the honor to you um, for the way that you have worked in their lives. The path that, that uh, was taken to get to even where they're at today that uh, they shared with us last week, um, but Lord, we celebrate with you and uh, just again pray uh, blessings on them as they go out and uh, not only stand um, for Norfew, but more importantly, they stand for Christ in the, in the, the country of Papua New Guinea. Um, we uh, just look forward now to being in your word, to, uh, to being able to, uh, to turn to your word, Lord, imprinted on our hearts um, is, is exactly what we're, we're, we're going to be learning this morning, um, that, uh, that you would be writing your message on our hearts this morning. And these things we pray in your name. Amen. All right, well, let's take a look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, and it begins like this. 
Right off in verse one, finally my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Now what's happening here is, is Paul's saying that he's, he's, he's made some of these encouragements before to them and so he's kind of reminding them. We've, we've, we've kind of covered these things but we're gonna cover them again. And he starts off by saying, rejoice in the Lord. And what he's kind of really saying is, rejoice in the Lord, but, but now we kind of have to cover some unpleasant matters uh, that are going on. Uh, and so he's, he's reminding them to always rejoice, but we got some difficult topics we gotta cover. Now, he is gonna do this, this similar thing in chapter four, so uh, we're actually gonna kind of just that whole concept of rejoice, but here let's talk about some difficult things. We're gonna come back to that in chapter four. So for now, let's just go ahead and move on to chapter two. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, that is a really harsh calling out of a specific group of people that, that Paul's talking about. It's not the Philippian church. What Paul's talking about is a group known as the, uh, the Judaizers. And this is a very legalistic uh, group uh, back in their day that kind of was always right in there uh, uh, trying to be a step ahead of the apostles or behind the apostles. And they were trying to, to evoke their ways of they felt of how you should come to salvation. Uh, they were demanding that all Gentiles, if they wanted to uh, come to faith in Christ, that they would, uh, must be circumcised, they must submit to uh, uh, the Jewish practices, that they had to adhere to a very strict set of laws if they wanted to uh, come to faith in Jesus. And so it was very contrasting to what the, the apostles were saying. And so what, uh, what Paul is saying is, look out for this group. And he calls them dogs. Look out for the dogs. Now, this was a term that, that, that historically the Jewish people would use towards the Gentiles as a, as a, a very egregious insult. And here, Paul flips it back to the Judaizers, who, of course, feel that they are at the, the pinnacle of, of everything. And so it's a very ironic way in that he uses it. Um, because I'm sure that many of the Judaizers would have called many Gentiles dogs themselves, and now Paul's calling them that very derogatory term. He then calls them evildoers and mutilators of the flesh. So needless to say, these are not complimentary terms. Uh, and what's really happening is that there's a battle over the legitimacy because the, the Judaizers are at odds with the disciples over how to convert somebody is what's really going on here. And so we have to ask the question, well, then who's right? Who's really right in, in this? Is it the Judaizers? Are they right? Because they're teaching from a perspective of that circumcision has always been the signature mark of a true believer in Yahweh since the time of Abraham that it was given to Abraham by God, the concept of circumcision. And they would be asking Paul and the apostles, who are you to disqualify God's covenant? Or is Paul right? Because Paul is, uh, is doing all these things through faith in Christ and his grace. 
And salvation is released by what Jesus has done on the cross, as Paul stands. So we continue in with what Paul is saying to the Philippians church, so now pick it up in verse three. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Here's the concept that Paul is, is speaking on. The issue of circumcision is a matter of the heart. Now Paul uh, would know very well that uh, the idea of circumcision of the heart is very much an Old Testament concept. Uh, this is not new to New Testament. This is a very much in the Old Testament. And in fact, very plainly, there's many areas in the Old Testament, very plainly in Deuteronomy 10, 16, says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Right there in the Old Testament. So that's where Paul is landing on. And what he's, what he's uh, um, you know, really trying to say is, is that the Judaizers aren't even understanding the, the very Old Testament that they're trying to justify their actions. And that he's talking about the, the confidence and outward credentials that the Judaizers would be, would be landing on their outward credentials. We're gonna see that in just a little bit later. Uh, doesn't really work. In fact, Paul goes on to say, oh, you wanna talk about credentials? You wanna go there? Great, let's go there. And he's really saying, if you want to talk about street cred, let's, let's talk about that. So here's in verse 4 and 6. This is what Paul says. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the, bride of of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul's saying, you, you want to match wits with me? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, which many consider to be one of the greater tribes to be, a, to, to be part of. He was a Pharisee. Do you guys realize that? But Paul was a Pharisee. He persecuted the church he followed the law strictly. So he's arguing from a, a, a pedigree standard. And what he's saying is, if you as a Judaizer think you have all this to lean on, all these credentials to your name, I actually have even more if you want to go there. If anybody is legitimate, certainly it's Paul. But there's a punchline to this. The next verse, what does Paul say? Verse seven, but whatever gain I had, I count as lost for the sake of Christ. You see, Paul's saying that any advantage to achieving righteousness through the law and those actions is actually a detriment. That anything he could have achieved through that list he just said, all my credentials actually ended up being a detriment to me. Everything he had gained, he counted it as loss because it didn't provide true righteousness. Only through Jesus can that occur. Now, one of the most beautiful places that Paul fleshes out this illustration that, he, that he's giving right now to the Philippians church, he does in to the Corinthian church. 
Uh, and so we can go to the Corinthian church and see how he takes the same concept and fleshes it out even more. So um, flip with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 2 and 3. And, and Paul's kind of trying to carry the same theme, and he's, he's going through it. So, um, so here's what he says, starting in verse 2 of, of chapter 3, 2 Corinthians. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of humans' hearts. What Paul's talking about here is he's talking about letters of recommendation. And back then, if you traveled from town to town and wanted to speak, one of the questions are, well, who are you and what, why should we listen to you? So a certain group of people, want to guess who that was? Judaizers, made sure that they walked around with their letters of recommendation saying, you need to listen to us because we have the best credentials out there. So, this, so in 2 Corinthians, we see Paul still at odds with these Judaizers, is what's going on behind this. So Paul's talking about these letters of recommendation, and Paul's saying, we don't need letters of recommendation because we have you. And any recommendation has been written on your hearts by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the circumcision is of the heart and not an outward symbol. And Paul's saying that very fact is our recommendations that we use when we go out and preach on the gospel of Christ. He goes on to say this, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In, uh, in some translations of the Bible, uh, it, it may say, instead of sufficiency, competency. We have competency in these things. Um, and so again, he's using the same arguments that he used back in the Philippians, that our, our competency, our sufficiency doesn't come from our credentials, doesn't come from what we've accomplished, it comes from Christ. As he finished things, for the letter, or the law, that kills, but the Spirit gives life. How so? Well, let's follow the argument as he continues uh, in using it. So... What he's saying is, you're coming up, he's going to be saying that, um, that the glory that came from the old covenant is far outweighed by the glory that comes from the new covenant. A way to picture this is um, uh, when it's pitch black out, but a full moon, we look at that full moon, we say, wow, that's really bright. And I've done some hikes where we wanted to be at a specific ridge or a specific lake or a specific whatever at sunrise. And so what we do is we start at the trailhead on a full moon and hike all through the night. We'll start like at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. And if it's a full moon, even though we've got headlamps, we, usually, we rarely turn them on because if it's a full moon, you can usually walk just fine down the trail from the light of that full moon. But when the sun rises... Are we impressed by the light of the moon? Even on those days when the moon is still in the sky with the sun? No, because the sun rises and the, the amount of light and, and the, the, that shines from the sun so outweighs the moon 
Uh, it's not even a comparison. And that's what Paul's really talking about in this glory. Now, um, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. Uh, uh, I'm going to start with verse 7 and 8, which is not on the screen, but then you'll pick it up in verse 9 on the screen. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters of stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Again, the same concept. The the glory from the new covenant so outshines the glory from the old covenant. And what what Paul's saying here is that this new glory more accurately reflects God's character. Now, he's using the illustration of Moses that we just heard, and he continues this illustration with Moses. So, So follow along with this as we continue. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." Now, Paul's here talking about the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And he's using Moses as the illustration. And the illustration he's using is when Moses went up on the mountain and and he he got the covenant, he came down that his face shone so brightly from the Shekinah glory of God that the the people couldn't look at him. They're like, whoa, dude, Moses, I need sunglasses. No, no, that's just way too bright. So then Moses is like, oh, okay, well, here, let me put a veil over my face so that you you can actually stand to look at me without being blinded by the brightness of my face. And what Paul is saying here is that Moses kept that veil in place, not only so much that people couldn't see him, but that when he left the tent of meetings, that that glory would decrease over time and, and that Moses didn't want to see that glory being brought to an end as Paul words it here. And so this is all the same picture that, that, that Paul's talking about to the Philippians. He's using the example of Moses with the veil and also the idea that, uh, that Paul talks about that when he says, for this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Meaning people can read the law and they don't get it. Like the Judaizers. It, is, you know, it's, it's in the Old Testament that our circumcision should be of the heart, but they were still in that legalistic thing. So the picture is of a veiled face versus an unveiled face. So let's take a look at two different ways that we could do ministry or 
even though it's listed up here as ministry, and you may be thinking, well, I'm not a pastor of a church, I don't have a ministry, or we could substitute ministry for how you live your Christian life, because any of us that, that stand with Christ have a ministry as part of, uh, as part of being a Christian. So, uh, so think of this in terms of this is how we um, ought to live our life. So Paul's given us a contrast between an old covenant and the new covenant. And we know through uh, not only what he wrote about in uh, Philippians, what he wrote about in Corinthians, but many of his other writings, he has a very clear distinction between what lands in the old covenant and what lands in the new covenant. And it looks like this. In the old covenant, we have death. The new covenant is, is we have the spirit. The old covenant is based on the letter, the law. The new covenant is based on righteousness. In the old covenant, we have condemnation, whereas in the new covenant, we have transformation in the old covenant uh there is a spirit of forgiveness in the new covenant though it's reconciliation the old covenant is based on human effort whereas the new covenant is based in the spirit's power the old covenant the glory fades but in the new covenant you have surpassing abounding glory the Old Covenant, again, being veiled, what we'd call veiled, as Paul words it, versus the New Covenant is what we would call unveiled. So we have this context of these two lists uh, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and again, as Paul's using the illustration of the Old Covenant is like having that veil uh, over, over your face and, and how that uh, affects you versus the New Covenant being unveiled, completely transparent and completely removed. So as we dig a little bit deeper into this, we can see how the difference between a veiled ministry or a veiled life and an unveiled ministry and an unveiled life would play out and would be manifest. So let's start with a veiled ministry. Someone who's trying to live with a veil, uh, veil over their heart and over their face. It looks like this. This would be characterized by covering up reality, by peddling the word of God, where it just becomes a, a show, it's, manif- it's characterized by secrets, characterized by distorting of the word. There's pride in appearance. There's worldly recognition. And as we mentioned before, fading glory. Now as we look at that list, it's not a very flattering list. And yet probably every one of us in this room could go to a, a ministry or a person that this list is manifested in. And that we've seen this, we've encountered this, we've experienced this from people. And it's not very attractive. Uh, and many ministries that get in trouble and all of a sudden, you know, for, for so, you know, wh- whatever word you put it, they blow up or crumble down or come apart or, or whatever lies ministries that we see fail you see these characteristics leading up to the failure of that ministry or even a, a person's life. Well, let's look at the opposite. Let's look at the unveiled ministry. What is Christ calling us to? It's characterized by openness. It, it represents life. That there's a righteousness as part of it, that we have freedom in the unveiled ministry, that we have endurance that we can go the distance, commendability, competency, 
and ever-increasing glory. The unveiled ministry is all about transparency. What you get is what you get. There's some good, there's some things I'm still working on. Uh, remember the, the, the past things that, that Steve was talking about in Philippians of the, the Holy Spirit has targeted this area in my life to work on, which might be different than what he's targeted in your life. And I need to, 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 you know, as he moves the line up, I need to deal with those areas of sin. And then all of a sudden something else comes on the plate that wasn't there before. If you remember that, that message, um, all that is full of transparency is the unveiled ministry. You see, because the the veiled ministry, if left unchecked, is going to produce dullness, and it becomes a form of self-protection, exactly what the illustration looks like, a veil. I put a veil over my life so that you can't see what's really going on. Another way that we would term that is I build enough walls around me that you can't get close and see what's really happening in my life. That's another way that we use that, that uh, illustration off time. And it kills the ministry of the Spirit. Once I wall myself off, once I stop looking for God's glory, then it's gonna kill whatever the Spirit's trying to do. And we lose clarity and we lose freedom. We lose those two things. Now, if I've made any case for living an unveiled ministry, then why is it so hard to remove the veil? Because we can talk about, oh, I want to, I, I, I get it, I want to be in the unveiled camp. That one sounded a whole lot better. And I'm sitting in church and I know that's supposed to be the right answer. Okay? True, but why is it so hard to get there? Well, because there's always blockades to removing the veil. And here's two of the biggest ones that we see over and over and over again. Number one, bitterness. It is so hard to, to lead a life of transparency when bitterness over lack of forgiveness causes a fog that we can't see. Now, if ever we had some good examples of what it's like to have fog and not see, it's wearing glasses and a mask at the same time. Amen? Yeah. So we get it. And all of a sudden, you can't see, and it makes it a lot harder to do common things. And I have seen over and over and over people that are so locked up and twisted by bitterness that they can't get over that blockade to enter into an unveiled life. What's the second one? And there, there's many, but these are just the two we're going to cover this morning. Pride. Pride's the biggest one. Because it causes huge distractions and distortions in our visions. It, it, it doesn't allow us to see what's really going on. And if we, if we were to go back and look at, look at the list of the veiled ministry, and if we went back and look at those other characterized by the veiled ministry, you can look at each one of those and you can really see in there the element of pride causes that, pride causes that, pride causes that. And so that becomes a huge stumbling block of why don't people just be like, I'm gonna lead an unveiled life because you first have to deal with the pride and, and many people have to deal with the bitterness element 
before they can enter into that. So what ends up as a result of that is that there can be a trauma element to removing the veil. This may hurt a little. Now I just happen to know a little bit about trauma. And what I know about trauma is that sometimes you have to go through some procedures that hurt on the way to being improved. And in the back of a medic unit, if you wake up and see me, that is not a good day, just in case you're wondering. But there are times where I have to tell the patient, I need to do this procedure if I'm gonna save your life and it's really gonna hurt. I, I don't mix any bones about it. I'm like, this is gonna hurt. But it's necessary if we wanna save your life. Even on a, a simple thing, if anybody's ever been fishing and you got a barbed fish hook stuck in your finger or something like that, you wanna hear the, oh, oh, okay, I've been there, okay. And what's the proper way to remove the fish hook? Yeah, push it all the way through. Does that cause more trauma? Yes, but actually, it causes less than trying to back it out. So that's the concept here. These steps may hurt a little because of how this is going to affect me, but they're absolutely necessary if we want to achieve an unveiled life. What are they? Well, number one, we need to turn to the Lord. We need to surrender. And surrendering's not easy if you've got a lot of pride. My favorite movie, and yes, the number one movie of all time, I know a lot of people think Citizen Kane was the best movie ever produced in the history of cinema. It is not. It was Princess Bride. <clears throat> See, you all agree. Remember when Wesley and Buttercup had just emerged from the fire swamp and then were immediately surrounded by the men from Prince Humperdinck, Okay. There was this little bit of a, a thing of surrender. And then, of course, Wesley says, oh, you want to surrender us? We accept. <laughs> and he says, no surrender. And they start arguing back first. And what does Wesley say? Death first. He refuses to surrender under any circumstance. How many times have people said to Christ, death first. I will not surrender to you. It's not easy to surrender because we have to give up. To remove the veils, we need to have repentance in our life, which as we learned is that turning around. I've, I, I've strayed into an area that I shouldn't be in. The Holy Spirit has told me, you're not supposed to be there, and the only way to get back to where I'm supposed to be is to Turn around and come back under his authority. And then being transformed through submission and through forgiveness. And forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is hard because if I accept forgiveness from you that I've wronged, then to accept that forgiveness, I have to come to terms that yes, I did wrong you. And if I, if I make that statement, 
I can't do it with pride. I have to lay my pride down before I can come to somebody and say, I have wronged you and I need to ask forgiveness. And if that person says, I forgive you, then that pretty much seals, yes, I did this, I've acknowledged it, you've acknowledged it, and that really hurts. And so many people, that's where that lack of forgiveness that leads to bitterness comes from an area of pride, fall into the trap of not removing the veil. Remember what Deuteronomy 10, 16 said, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. What was, trying, what was God trying to get at with the Israelites at that time? Their stubbornness, their hardness of heart. And now we come forward with the new covenant and we see that uh, Paul is saying to the Philippians and to the, the, the Corinthians, he's saying, this is written on your heart. This is written on your heart. It should change your heart. And people ask me, I've sat with, I've sat with people, and they ask me these two questions. Why can't I see God? Or they ask, why don't I hear from God? Why don't I hear God? And that's where this message oftentimes will come in a one-on-one situation. I know Steve does it all the time. I've done it. And I say, well, do you by chance have a veil over your heart that you're unwilling to lift so that you can see God clearly? Because it may not be that God has got any, gone anywhere. It's that you are seeing through fogged up glasses or a veil. Let's pray. Lord, we know that this is difficult because on one hand it looks easy. Of course we would want to have an unveiled life. Of course we would want to lead an unveiled ministry. But Lord, when we realize it, get right down to it, that can hurt. That can have pain associated with it because it may require me to face things that are difficult for me to face through my bitterness, through my pride, through my unwillingness to give up control of areas of my life and surrender wholly to you. Lord, help speak to us that we we realize that your glory, as Paul said, so far outshines the glory of the old covenant that through you in our life is what we really seek. And that transparency, as we said, through the new covenant and an unveiled ministry brings about freedom. Freedom to see you, freedom to be in step with you, freedom to hear from you. Lord, help us to be able to ponder these things and as, you, as, as Paul said that, that his credentials were written on the hearts of the people, Lord, help us be as a church people that you can point to as credentials for representatives of our holy God because of what you have written on our hearts and that we have a removed veil so that we can be open and share with others the radiance and the glory that you have instilled in us. Lord, help us to be that light before you. And these things we pray in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Dave. Stand with us as you're able. Isaiah 43, 7 tells us that we are created for his glory. So with that in mind, let's close together.
for being here, um, and uh, we uh, hope to return back to more normal uh, next 
next Sunday. Uh, we'd like to ask you again as you um, uh, exit, uh, for those of you that are here, um, please exit through the, uh, the back door routes here as our, uh, our volunteer staff has already gone through and disinfected the, uh, the lobby and all that stuff for the new people coming in. So, and for all of you that are watching online, thank you so much for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you again next week. You're dismissed. <laughs>